0: Have to be very honest as I begin this morning. It's always great to be here. As a matter of fact, when people in New York ask what I'm doing and I say I'm coming here, they go, "That's kind of your second home, isn't it?" Yeah, my timing's always perfect. And so, although I'm very happy to be here, you can't imagine how happy I am to be here now. I. Got an early morning text that the people who are staying at my house said there's over half a meter of snow and still coming. I love it here. <laughs> Besides you all, there are other, there are other perks. I talked to you this morning about your heart. In the midst of uh, most weeks, a lot of us never even reference it. We just don't. Unless you're going through a tough thing in life and you talk about your heart's broken, especially those of you who love, your heart's always broken. Or your heart's saddened, but there's so much more to it than that. So let's talk about developing the heart, because sometimes it feels as you listen to people like it has a mind of its own. It doesn't. So I want to talk about how you actually develop. The kind of heart that will not just sustain you, but will actually give you the kind of strength and courage and stamina. It won't just get you through life, but it will actually carry you along very well. The spiritual life, of course, revolves around the condition of the heart. Jesus made it very clear. One of his memorable teachings of the parable of the sower. It's the same seed, the same concepts, the same thought processes land in so many people's minds. But when it comes time to assimilating that into their life, it's the condition of the heart. He said for some it's sort of hard. Some it falls on, his terms, fertile soil and just flourishes and grows. It's the condition of this heart that makes the world a difference, the kind of life you have. And again, not a conversation you have most weeks. So I wanted to have it with you today. It's about the heart. I love this passage. It's one of those insightful proverbs. that says, above all else. Now, anytime the Bible says this one, above all else, it means, pay attention. This isn't one to just sort of pass over. But above everything else. He says, guard the heart. Not in a protective way, as some of you have become accustomed to. You protect that thing as if somehow you can control your life, your feelings, your environment. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. It's where the best of who God is within you and the best of who you are inside of you gets to just spring forth. Now, you live in this desert climate. You know that. However, when you find a spring, you go all over WA, you find a spring. People have known it's there for a long time. They've been drawn to it. It's the place where life is very different than where you are in a place without a spring. Get the picture. It's in your heart that's the actual wellspring of life for you. So whatever it takes to make that a really great place, do it. We'll discover in just a minute. Do it with all your heart. It's the wellspring of life. The heart is a place of affections. Paul, who writes part of the New Testament for us, those of you who have been around church just reference the Apostle Paul, and those who are newer to faith go, what's this Apostle thing? Do you have any of those? They scare me. So we'll just call him Paul. Paul, who sounds like a lawyer when he writes the book of Romans in Philippians, sounds like this sort of overly affectionate parental figure. And he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you. He goes, you see, I love you with all the affection of Christ. It's right for me to feel this way because, he says, I have you in my heart. Now this is interesting, the guy who is highly structured, very insightful in the book of Romans, almost outlines his case here, sort of gushes with deep emotion and says, I love you with all the depths of Christ in my heart. So how do you develop this kind of heart? The Bible gives us a lot. Guard your heart, of course it's very clear, don't harden your heart, easy to say when you go through some of life's tougher moments, hard not to sometimes, just keep a soft heart, tender heart. You know this if you've been around and heard me, but no matter where I go on the planet, part of my job, as I see it, is to speak about God as Father and about Jesus, particularly to men. For some reason, said, there's just the thing I don't understand when I'm in New York. My two best audiences are very large black men who don't like church and lesbians. I have no idea why. If I were picking two crowds, I wouldn't pick those two. But both love me. You could guess why. And I love it because I get to welcome them, as a father welcomes children, as a father welcomes those who've felt like they didn't have a father's love. It works for me. But when I talk with men, there's, because I'm a trained therapist who hates to do therapy, um, so I turned it into mentoring and coaching, it's much easier. There's six primary human emotions, sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. Now I promise, if you go all across WA and you ask any given bloke anywhere, mate, how how you going? You're going to be hard pressed to find anybody who goes, I'm kind of tender. <laughs> Am I right? Just not a word that's used out there all that often, and rightly so. Because if he does, you go, ooh, I don't, I don't think I want this conversation. <laughs> I'm a little tender today. And yet tenderness comes to every person, including the toughest of blokes out there. There are moments you only have to ask a couple questions and you can figure out when those moments are. But we're also given this prayer in uh, Ephesians 3 about expanding the capacity of your heart. We're also told to know your heart. We're also told it's hard to know your heart because it can be deceptive both for you, inside yourself, and as you relate to other people. We're told to do things with all our heart. We're going to end there today. And also to not lose heart. It's interesting to me that in both Testaments, God made it very clear, because he knows what the human experience is like, he said, look, you can't lose heart. When you lose heart, life gets so much harder. So whatever it takes... You can't lose heart. So you're asking the question, okay, you sold me big boy. How do I develop heart? I have PowerPoint slides for you. (laughs) First of all, heart's developed in an atmosphere of humility and you go seriously, that's your best material? I got to be humble? It's a good place to start. Because there, there's an awareness of what actually is true and right, what you're good at and what you're not. If you can't have an accurate perception of your own experience in the midst of an amazing God, in the midst of your own existence with several billion other people on this planet, then you've missed something. So we're going to start there. says, so this is what the high and lofty one says. I love how God describes himself sometimes. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. He said, I live in a high and a holy place, but I also live with that person who's contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly, revive the heart of the contrite. That's what I'm about. How do you do this? It's, it's about humility. Humility. But it's not what's often been passed down in the church. It's what's called a worm theology. There's just no good thing in me. It's just bad theology. Humility is about having this soft heart before God. A heart that's bent towards him. Not away from him and not focused on yourself. It's the best of seeing yourself the way God sees you. And we want to do what he has for us. Over the last couple of years, I've asked a number of people, by the hundreds, actually, to sort of update and recreate a better perception of authentic humility. I listen to people who are around church, people of faith. I listen to them and go, oh, you really missed this one, didn't you? Because somehow they play down their strengths They dismiss the best of what God has given them. They have this sort of apologetic aspect of their life. Even when they have a good life and God seems to have blessed them. Go, I I have no idea why. Um, You know, God's just amazing and I'm not. And it's almost like they want to go, wah, wah, wah. Come on. Authentic humility is where you actually stand before your God and go, you've given me some pretty good stuff. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to embrace the best of who I am, the best of who you've made me to be, the best of the gifting. Some of you have good looks and charm. Thank God for it, because there's others here who don't have the level you have. It's obvious. So work what you have. If it's been given to you, welcome that thing. Don't play it down. I was just teaching this course. And I happened to pull, there was a, a very nice-looking younger Asian woman there who tended to say things that were less insightful and appropriate than she should have said. And I didn't want to talk to her directly in front of people. There were 30-some people in the room, but I needed to say something to her. So I picked this other guy, and it was so clear, I said, to yeah, let's talk. This is what it's like being a really good-looking person. There's only one other person in the room who understands it. So let's just have this conversation. (laughs) And before, by about the third sentence, the whole room was laughing. And she finally at the end goes, I get it. Okay. Embrace it all. Welcome it as a gift from God. And then figure out, how do you not make it about you? But give it back to him. So that he can then rewrap it, it looks even better than when you wear it yourself. But you see, what happens is, if you discredit it, you make it all about you. God gets no glory; he can't hardly use it. So this one really needs to be updated. We'll we'll come back to this one. You've also got to cultivate humility, and you go, how how do you actually cultivate humility? Well, it's pretty consistent surrender where you wrestle through your own self-will, where you wrestle through whatever circumstances around you, and you decide to bow before the God of the universe. You choose trust, trusting him and not take offense. If we listen to each other, we take offense quite a bit. Other people, circumstances, close family members, even people we love, and even God, as if we're the ones actually in charge here, not him. And it's also how you process the pain. Not taking offense, but actually press into this and get to the other side. When I was here with you last time, I had just hit the five-month mark of losing Diana. And one of the phrases you quoted back to me more than any other was when I said, when we were going through these moments that no one in life wants, I just simply said to God, I don't want to waste the suffering. Otherwise, this is just terrible. I don't want to waste the suffering. If I'm going through this, I want to come out on the other side with a strength, a hope, a courage that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Because if you don't, it just hurts. There's no redeeming quality to it at all. It's just not fair. So part of this is you put your eyes on God. It can be a battle for some, but you keep your eyes there. Dean said I would be back in a couple of weeks. I'm going to do a short series on how do you press on with God? How do you press into him? And then how do you press through to the other side when it's just harder than you want it to be? Infomercial. (laughs) Secondly, the heart is developed in pain that's properly processed. This is where it really does get difficult. It's when we allow pain to pierce your heart instead of to harden it. If you haven't been there yet, It's pretty predictable that in this life, tough times will come. It's what you do with them that often defines the quality of your life. Now, I wish I could stand up here and tell you, life is just fun. And it is, but there's these twists and turns as well, and it's how you deal with those. It's when you choose piercing. This is an odd one. You see, pain has the capacity in the heart to either pierce it or harden it. It's kind of a choice you have to make. I have a friend here, some of you know him, my friend Alan, he's a good bloke, I love this guy. Forgive me for sounding so American, I love this guy have since the first time I met him. In a world that needs more people who can model this one, my friend Alan's one of those. Taken some hits physically, taken some hits in life. There's one of those people that's let the tenderness of the father settle in, and there's not a hardness there. Here's why, with his permission, I asked to use him. Because in a, in a world, a culture, and in, an emotional climate that you all live in here, where you're not supposed to rise above other people, this is a place to rise above. That you'll be one of those people who take on the very character of the Father because you let the pain of your life pierce it instead of make you hard and bitter and critical and nasty we need great models and as I remind men in particular our communities are looking for men of wisdom but sometimes all we get is men with opinions and if you haven't noticed not that many younger people come up and go give me all of your opinions of my life (laughs) when they do you'll have plenty to say (laughs) I'm sure but they'd sure love some wisdom You get this one. So choose wisely. Choose very, very wisely. There's a talk that I give, gave it just recently, to a group of about 60 executives who all lived in one sort of enclave part on the north side of New York City. Um, the, The postal code where they live is known to be the highest number of presidents and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies than any place else in America. So I had 60 of them together. And I talked to them about the six words the Bible uses for man. And they're kind of a progression. And I hit hit one point and said, here's the warrior stage, it's the competitive one. It's where you want to win. I said, some historically we've done it in battle said, you all do it with bottom lines and money. It's the warrior spirit. But if you're going to be the warrior and pass through that stage, the very next stage you go into is the wounded one. And it's the wounded one that defines you as a man. It's not how big you win. It's how well you lose. And it's as you pass through that wounding stage that you... Crossover to be the man of wisdom or the sage and you can't pass into the man of wisdom stage without the wounding as for those of you who are well into your 50s and you still have to win make your losing now at that stage as a speaker they either start to chant crucify him, crucify him <laughs> or it gets deadly silent and tears start to come and with these CEOs, I found myself walking through the group and just putting my hand right in the middle of their chest. Let this one sink in. This is your life. This defines you as a man. I don't care how big your account is. Ask your children how many more multi-million dollar bonuses you need versus how much you need to come home and be a father at home. Come on. It's about choice of what you do in your heart, folks. Let it pierce. Don't harden it. Again, Paul in Philippians says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. It's a pretty bold statement. The fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, become like him in death so that somehow they attain to the resurrection of the dead. It's when we process this pain well that gives us the outcomes. Now, very seldom in the two books of the Newer Testament do Paul and James sound alike, but here they do. Where God promises to redeem all things to make us more like Him. We have to choose to allow that pain to pierce our hearts. Choose to trust Him. And to cooperate with a heart-shaping process. So you let down your guards. And walk through it with him. People allow God to pierce their heart, develop an empathy. See, empathy is way more than compassion. Empathy is a capacity to value people as a father sees them. Having God's heart for other people, representing him well. When he actually does this well in your life, people actually use phrases like, you you, kind of carry his presence. When you show up, so does his spirit. That's one of the coolest things a human experience can offer you. That as a mere mortal, you remind people of him. It's part of this process. It's a capacity to understand the soul. But I want to make it so clear, this is not just soft. Male or female, this is not just kinder, nicer, gentler at all. Because there's a courage and strength with it that sets you apart from other people you almost become unflappable because you know the strength and the courage of God Almighty alone I was doing some premarital counseling this couple was older both getting married for the first time she was a unique person she had was a part of a administrative team for one of the um, NBA teams professional basketball in America And she was used to dating um, very large basketball players, good athletes. And uh, the guy that she was planning to marry was much smaller and uh, softer and gentler. He'd played college gridiron, but um, apparently way, way, way back someplace. (laughs) And somehow he had taken on this sort of nice, sanitized, Christianized approach to life. And in the midst of trying to talk through the kind of life and marriage they wanted, she stopped and she goes, when you talk like this, I wanna break your face. (laughs) You can't make up stories this good. (laughs) I said, go on. (laughs) Tell me more, tell me more. And she said, When you talk like this, it's hard to respect you as a man. And in a very soft little boy voice, he goes, Martin talks like this. She said, yeah, but when he does, he's believable because it's got strength and courage. When you do, you sound like a little girl. Susan, be much kinder than that. Please? I'm, I'm working with you, buddy. I'm working with you. But she had a point. He did a sanitized, Christianized, and not believable side of this. No strength. No courage. No stamina. Soft. Wasn't believable. That's not what we're talking here. The final one is the heart's developed. An obedience and repentance over sin. Now all this means is that you don't hide, you bring everything into the light. You enter the no excuse zone, no hiding zone. You bring it out, and bring it into the light. After moving Saul, we're told, made David the king, and God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Notice the last phrase. That's the one we often miss. He will do everything I want him to do. Now there's your phrase, folks. She'll do everything I want her to do. That's how you tend to the heart. That's how you develop heart. You see, the heart is developed in obedience and repents. Listen one more time. You see, God calls David a man after his own heart. Even though he didn't have one of those great stories of giant success. He was an adulterer. Also arranged for a hit to happen. He was a murderer. So what is it about the heart of David that allows him to have such a phrase after such failures? The key is this one, he'll do everything I want him to do, both in his obedience, yes, and even when he wasn't, he set the record straight. So for any of you who are very grateful that you're not one of those kind of people, and you have some minor pride you're not one of those, get over yourself because it's in this authentic humility that you really get this. And for those of you who've wondered, will God ever be able to forgive me? A resounding yes. A resounding yes. This phrase will do anything and everything I've wanted him to do. Let's go back to authentic humility. Whenever we take the Lord's Supper together. Whenever there's communion, there's almost always something to leave behind and something to embrace. For some of you this morning, there's clearly something to leave behind. You know it. God knows it. The people closest to you know it. Don't fool yourself. Leave it behind. With all your heart, leave it behind. There's also... When you come to God as Father, there's also this opportunity to welcome something he wants to give you. You can ask on your own, but some of you have a hard time hearing and receiving. So it's probably good to have somebody listen with you and for you and maybe even speak those words to you. Embrace it. Embrace the best of who he's made you to be. Embrace it. And welcome it. And then say yes to God. Now I'm willing to bet in this audience, some of you, some of you are actual negotiators with God. You do this, I'll do this. God, please take care of this one. If you do, or when you do, then I'll, I don't know if you've figured this out, your arms are too short to box with God. (laughs) You can't negotiate with the great God of the universe. You don't win. Besides, who who do you think you are that you'd negotiate with God? Come on, I don't want to be around you when the lightning bolts come. (laughs) No, that's not how it works. So say yes. Now here's one I don't get. There's a lot of things I don't get. But I'm always fascinated by people who will get up early on a Sunday morning. What, you don't have like another life? What is this? You come here and then still protect your heart from God. you got to explain this one to me. Because for somebody like me, it doesn't make sense. As long as you took time to look reasonable and get here, might as well follow through. Don't negotiate with God. Simply say yes. So I want to make it so clear you can't miss it. Tend to the heart. It's the wellspring of life. As you leave here and go any direction you want, except west, (laughs) you'll find a dry, arid climate. In the midst of that, you'll find springs. It's a great picture of your heart. It's the wellspring of your life. Keep that thing clear. Keep it pure expand the capacity of it and then with the passion you can muster go after this thing with all your heart all your heart yeah and don't lose heart here's what we're going to do this morning we will have on each side place for communion we're going to ask you to come we're going to leave the central center part here open for anybody who wants prayer If you are one who either needs help praying something out of your life or something into your life, it's a great place to do it. And if you'd like somebody to do it with you, just sort of stick up your hand and there'll be somebody. Otherwise, they'll leave you on your own. It's a great day to connect with God. Pray with me. Pray with me, please.